We live in a constantly changing world where the speed of information is changing how we think and act and connect with one another. When people in a society lose faith in their institutions, in God and in each other, the nation collapses. We need help rebuilding trust and tying it all together. Welcome to All That To Say, a podcast exploring the interrelatedness of all things in long-form conversation. Creators of The Bible Project, John Collins and Tim Mackey, join the podcast to discuss theological spelunking, understanding, and the beauty of the Bible. Welcome to All That to Say. We are so proud, pumped, stoked, worked up, psyched to have these two guests today. I am in the company of John Collins and Tim Mackey. These are the geniuses if we could say that, the uh, progenitors, the creators, the inventors, the adaptive new century, amazing guys who brought us the Bible Project. John and uh, Tim, thanks so much for joining us. We are glad to have you. And uh, just so that those who are watching us uh, today uh, understand who's who, John, raise your hand. There's John. And then Tim, the other guy. So glad to have you. And mm-hmm. the Bible Project, if, if, you're, if you're like paying any attention to what's going on uh, in the online media world today, especially within a faith-based line, and maybe even if you have no interest in faith-based content, but you're still savvy online, you know what I'm talking about when I say the Bible Project. This is an extraordinary endeavor, which has had huge impacts on helping people understand this book, bestseller, iconic text, Old and New Testaments, that people have heard of but don't always digest or comprehend. And the Bible Project is fixing that. So first of all, let's just get acquainted with John and Tim. So you are two friends who have started the Bible Project. When did it start? How long ago were you uh, launching this? What would you say? Seven years ago is when we launched it. Uh, we put our first two videos out on the internets, uh, but we were writing and kind of ideating maybe a year and a half or two years prior to that. So it's, you know, we're coming on a decade of working on this, I suppose, in one sense. Uh, wow. A decade for old guys like me, the blink of an eye. And right. uh, so, so <laughs> they go fast. you've been working on that. And uh, if I've read, uh, and you tell me if this is on point, that one is more of the theological uh, arm wrestler, that would be Tim, and that John was more of the, you know, like, how do we translate all that arm wrestling into some kind of creative uh, medium? Is that fair? A a creative and a theologian? Or are are you (laughs) more born in the middle? We've always used the metaphor of uh, spelunking. Tim's the like <laughs> theological spelunker. And he's like, hey, I found this new cave. <laughs> Go check it out. Yeah. You know, spelunker um, is not a word I've heard in the Bible project, but have you worked that into one of the scripts yet? No. 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 But it came from uh, Tim always said, we're just scratching the surface. We're just scratching the surface. I'm like, let's go below the surface then. I'm tired of scratching the surface. So um, we're cave divers. Spelunking. So, and uh, it, for, for the record, John's no like, theological um baby he he went like he and i met at a christian college where he got a major in bible john took greek he took like a year of new testament greek or two years 
Two years, yeah. Two years. Yeah. So not to say like he's still lightweight. I'm, yeah, my, yeah. So uh, he's a very informed conversation partner, and uh, it's been a, a joy to talk with him about Bible and theology for all these years. Well, well, give me a, a glimpse of you know just your own personal journeys. The Bible Project has a very uh, a definitive name. It's about the Bible. Uh, how about you guys? You grew up reading the Bible from your earliest age. You you decided, you know, I'm going to someday be uh, in a religious order. Uh, where did you come from? Let's start with Tim. What's your story? Yeah, uh, my, you know my my parents are followers of Jesus. Um, they they both grew up in very strict religious homes, and so they didn't um, want to force anything on us. They wanted my sister and I to kind of discover through our, our own journeys. And so we attended church. The, so the Bible was around, but I was never like made to read it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and I wanted nothing to do with um, Jesus because of he had something to do with my parents. So I did that whole thing <laughs> through most of my teens. Uh, they also gave me my first skateboard when I was 11 and a subscription to a Thrasher magazine, which I don't ever recommend giving to an 11 year old. But uh, so skateboard culture was like my life and worldview and culture. And then that's actually how I was reintroduced to Jesus uh, in my late teens at a skateboard park that was run by a church. Hmm. Um, And so I made a bunch of friendships there and just became really compelled by the person and the teaching of Jesus that was represented by those friends at the skateboard park. And so I uh, became a follower of Jesus when I was 19, almost 20, and then started to read the Bible because that was a really high value in this community. It was like, follow Jesus, share your stuff with people, be generous, tell people about Jesus and read the Bible, you know? And so um, I really started reading the Bible, you know, in my early 20s in earnest and so I didn't have negative baggage, but I had no clue what was going on. I was into the Jesus parts. Yeah. That was cool. And because I was down for him, but the rest of it uh, was really difficult. And so for me, it was a journey of curiosity, of not like negativity, but just mm-hmm. like what? Bewilderment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and it was actually at that skate park where John and I crossed paths. So I'll let his story c- catch up to mine. You cross yeah. paths at the skate park, the two of you. We did. So what's yeah. John's story? Uh, well, I, I also grew up in a believing household. And, but unlike Tim, I just, I was all in. I became just a youth group hero. Like I, um, I wasn't popular at school. So I just was like, okay, I'll be popular at youth group. And, um, <laughs> this is my testimony. Keep calling. <laughs> And, uh, but no, I, uh, I also developed a sincere love for God and then a real desire to understand the Bible. I mean, I was told from a very early age, this book contains the answers for, for the next life, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and this life. And, um, and so I took that very seriously. Um, and, uh, I went to Bible school um, thinking that I wanted to spend some dedicated time to, to really figure out how to read the book. And actually, well, and so that's when, where I met Tim, we, we were at the same school. 
Um, Tim went to that school because he was going to the skate park. I started going to the skate park because I was at that school. Gotcha. And, um, and they were across the street from each other. Yeah. That yeah. helps. Okay. And so the skate park was, a, was out of a church where they opened up um, a warehouse full of ramps the church owned to just let kids come in, skate, and then hear about yeah. Jesus. And um, so we worked at that together. We also just, we overlapped for a summer in the same house because we were like, um, working for the, for the skate park, um, and got to know each other then, um, while Tim went on to just continue to study the Bible, I kind of hit a dead end there. I kind of got to a point where I felt like I wasn't cut out to really understand the Bible. Um, it just, it became too bewildering to me. And it's funny, we took the same classes essentially. Mm. Um, but I was, given a pretty, a pretty strict theological grid by which to understand the Bible by, um, and, a, a, and a very specific kind of way that I'm supposed to engage with the Bible that I was trying to make work. And I just got too frustrating and I saw other people could do it really well and I couldn't. And I kind of was like, I'll let the people who know what they're doing and get it and love it, uh, figure it out. And I'll go do something else. Um, and so I was down for Jesus, but I kind of was just, I was becoming a post Bible Christian is one way I've put it. I mean, um, it's a really, that's a really important phrase, a post Bible Christian in a, in a sense, a, a, a Jesus that was not necessarily clothed by the scripture in the way that it, it might've been in a discovery zone for you otherwise. And so mm -hmm. the two of you both mm -hmm. were, what I would call Jesus guys, uh, mm. interested in the Bible, one kind of diving mm. deeper and deeper and saying, I, I got this, I, I want to know more. The other one saying, hey, somebody else can do that trip. I got other things to do. I'm still good with Jesus, but that's not my <laughs> uh, head game. Fair? Yeah. And then uh, sooner or later, something happened. What was that something? Well, I think my, my educational journey um, just kept getting more exciting. And so I would finish a degree, like a, a bachelor. And I was like, man, I'm just getting started. Like I just learned Greek and Hebrew. I've been introduced to the Bible as beautiful, sophisticated ancient literature. I want more. So I went to seminary, was like, I want to do more. And so I ended up going all the way through a PhD program in Hebrew Bible. And um, when that, that was, took me to the Midwest and Jerusalem and back again, and so when my wife and I moved back to town, um, John and I had, when we were in town, our wives are friends too. And so we would just continue our conversations about Bible and theology over the years. And so I moved back to town to be a teaching pastor at a church in Portland. And, and um, John approached me with this idea because he was already a, a, a few years deep into a company he had started that made animated videos. And I was a lot of years deep into biblical studies and we were just having great conversations. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so it, it was really John, John's idea of that, oh, maybe we could use this medium that I've been doing other stuff with, but to do it for the stuff we've been talking about for so many years. I mean, it's extraordinary really how, I don't know if this has been your experience, but some of the big dreams I've had in my life never really landed exactly right. And it was the kind of odd twist or turn or the unexpected conversation that actually proved to be 
the most meaningful and uh, productive part of my life. It sounds a little bit like that for you too, that in just conversation that you didn't really have uh, plotted out necessarily, one thing led to the next. And, mm. and here we are now in this exciting development. Mm. And I, I don't mean to overstate it, but I think it really is an extraordinary development where you have made accessible to people who may or may not have had history with the Bible, uh, fresh eyes to see it. So that said, tell me about the Bible Project. One thing I've read is that you see the Bible uh, as a cohesive whole. Sometimes people kind of parse it out. You see it as a cohesive whole that has a single thread that leads to Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are in it, where you're starting in it, where you finish up in it, it, it has that thread. And that's part of your ambition is to help people understand the thread. I also have to acknowledge, Tim, something you just said that strikes me. You were, you were getting deep into the Bible uh, in its own sense of uh, literature, of art, of, of this is you know, like multidimensional book that many of us have mm. looked at it as kind of the, the mm. coffee table icon of some kind of ethereal other presence, but you mm -hmm. saw it as a multidimensional uh, kind mm -hmm. of, a, of, an, of a work. All right. Mm -hmm. As you mm -hmm. have conceived of these things, how does the Bible Project work? What is that? For somebody listening today who says, okay, they keep talking about it. What in the world is that? How would you describe mm -hmm. it? Well, I guess what one way to respond is to talk about the core ideas that we're trying to communicate. Uh, and then the other way to talk about it is like how we're communicating them, like the stuff we've made, you know, that communicates mm -hmm. those ideas. Because we could have just written big fat books and nobody would ever read them. But we, that's one way we could have communicated. But, uh, <laughs> but we didn't. John had a better idea. Um, so the core ideas that are animating this is that um, it's something that actually any, all the Christian traditions have always held for the last 2000 years, which is um, to understand who Jesus is, his life, death, and resurrection. You need to understand him within some larger story that precedes him, that is fulfilled in him and that launches forward into the future. So in that sense, um, all Christian traditions have always believed that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Um, the question is uh, how well do our different traditions give us tools and categories to, uh, to really um, grasp that when we pick up and read any part of the Bible? And for the most part, like John was saying, uh, most Christian traditions find it really difficult to deal with the Bible as it actually is. And so we end up kind of abstracting out or creating new versions of the biblical story that are kind of made of different parts and piecemealed that are easier to communicate but that don't actually help people once they actually start reading the Bible for themselves. And so basically our goal was what is the Bible on its own terms? It's a cross-cultural document. It's ancient Israelite literature. It comes from a different time and place and language. But when you understand it on its own terms, it's actually, it's beautiful. Uh, it's aesthetically sophisticated. And it really is telling one unified story in ways that many Christian traditions haven't fully explored or at least have forgotten. And so that's kind of our core idea is we want to help people learn how to read this literature, how to understand the bigger story and how it all leads to Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus in light of that. Um, so that's our, that's a kind of our core thing. Yeah. 
But then how we're communicating that is through a whole variety of things that we've been able to make. It strikes me that there are kind of three components to what you do, at least what I have observed or been exposed to, and that is the core content, just as you've just been describing, Tim. There's the, the Bible itself. Then there's the medium of communication, uh, which you're, you're employing animation to bring the content or at least to give tools to understand the content uh, in the most remarkable way or digested way. Uh, and then as you, as you take the content and animate it, and then you use technology, basically these, the new wireless world we live in, to allow it to be delivered up close and personal in a way that we just, you know, you can have a book in your hand, but the, the quality of what you produce and the accessibility of it is, is harnessing technology and new mediums of communication for all of that. And that animation piece of it. I mean, I've seen a lot of animated things in my lifetime and uh, some animated religious content. There's something about what you do. It's not just the animation, the narration, that it is itself art, John. Are, are, who does that? Who, who makes, oh, yeah. who, who, who gets the storyboard out and, uh, and works that? Yeah, we have, a, we have a whole team. I, uh, I was making explainer videos is kind of the general term, but that can mean many different things from very low, low art, but then also kind of higher art, kind of short videos to help you understand something complicated. I was making them for tech companies mainly. Um, and so I learned just the whole process of uh, the whole pipeline of creating anime videos and working with really talented designers. So we were using um, many designers from the very beginning who just, this is the thing that they do well. They translate ideas into storyboards. Um, they, they visualize amazing uh, worlds to illustrate in and um, and then they know how to make it come to life and feel you know inviting um, and understandable so um, we've had a core team of animators and illustrators since the very beginning um, that have been working on these videos um, we just were working as like a, a freelance network and then as bio project grew we we turned it into our own animation department um, Behind, behind it is this, I suppose, philosophy of ex explanation, which I care a lot about, which is why we do things in a more, in a dialogue. We're more interested in explaining than convincing. We come with a lot of curiosity um, and we want to make complicated things simple without oversimplifying them. Um, and and then we want to use really good design to reinforce all of that. So that's the world of explainer videos. And I love that medium. It's a powerful medium. I have to say, because uh, before I sit, sat at this table and have uh, another job uh, in my world, I was a pastor. And, and the great gift that sometimes fell on me and was not always present was to take something complicated and or or misunderstood and translated in a way that the broadest audience possible could actually make sense of it and that's what you do so well i have to i have to ask about just the the technical side of the animation so i mean 
everyone is familiar with Disney animation. Of course, I'm, I'm of a generation that grew up with a certain style of Disney animation, which has been, you know, technology has allowed the kind of multidimensional uh, animation that goes on. But there's a certain style. There's a fingerprint to that, uh, differentiated from other kinds of animation. Uh, when I was a kid, Hanna-Barbera was a thing, and there was a mm -hmm. whole group of cartoons. That I'm dating myself big time, but I'm just saying, there were signatures. You could look at something and say, oh, that's where that came from. Similarly, the Bible Project has a certain style of animation, it seems to me. It, it, it has a, a certain art to it, now, just as a, as a trivia piece. Uh, are you familiar with Warner Salman and the Head of Christ? This is the most mm. famous imaging mm. of Jesus uh, in the world. That, that art is owned mm. by the people mm. that own this broadcast. It's just down the street from me, the original oil mm. painting. Warner Salman did a lot of, of mm. iconic work in the last century that was a style that other people adopted. This is mm. what Jesus looks like. This is what uh, a certain kind of motif. Uh, mm -hmm. Charles Schultz, uh, the Peanuts creator, uh, became a Christian in one of our churches in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And he has a, a story where the, the local pastor encouraged him in a difficult season of his life, and he was drawing these cartoon-like figures, and people laughed at him, and that was the pastor. It was our Church of God pastor guy who said, that's good, you should send that to the Saturday Evening Post. And mm -hmm. Charles Schultz always believed that his art was art. When other people said, it's not art. I'm just, I'm bringing to you, I, I have this kind of like trivial pursuit in my back head, and I'm looking at what you, what you produce, and it is a signature art. Okay, mm. so is that by design or by accident, or you have tuned it, or you have people you hire and say, okay, this is the way we do it, or it just kind of grows naturally? What would you say? Uh, probably it grew naturally. Since we have had the same core set of, illustrators and animators from the beginning. Um, you know, everyone brings their own aesthetic and, um, and then that informs what we produce. And since it's stayed a core team, I think then maybe a signature style begins to emerge organically. The, one of the uh, most um, the art, the art that we've used the most is when we did the overview videos of every book of the Bible, which is really like Tim brought all of that content to life, um, and designed those posters. But then the artist came through and had to translate all of Tim's kind of sketches into kind of the doodles. And, um, Robert, our art director kind of did the a first pass. And then another one of our illustrators came and tried to imitate Robert. And then another one of our an illustrator came <laughs> in and imitated <laughs> Mac imitating Robert. And then eventually we got what we have. Um, so, um, but then we try our hands at a lot of different styles um, mm -hmm. and we do use people outside of our core team. And so um, hopefully you also get a sense that we, mm -hmm. We try our hands at a lot of things. Mm. John, you've said over the years, your goal was for the artists in the studio to feel like they're perpetually in art school, like exploring new techniques, learning new tools. And for some videos, like the theme, biblical theme videos, we take one core idea, trace mm -hmm. it to the whole mm -hmm. biblical story. They, we give them a, a blank slate to just create a world that is really in sync with that particular mm -hmm. idea 
or the, the metaphors at work. And so um, that gives them a lot of uh, space to play and discover. It's been cool to watch it develop over the years. You've identified two kind of lines, and there may be many more, but one thing for which the Bible Project is uh, renowned is that you produced an animated explainer video for every book of the Bible, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mm-hmm. mean, that's quite a catalog. <laughs> and uh, A to Z, many people look at the Bible and all those 66 books and man, how, these are jigsaw pieces that I can't always put together. But again, mm-hmm. you're approaching it as if it's a cohesive whole. Then you mm-hmm. also have videos you've produced that are thematic, as you just described, Tim. You know, it takes mm-hmm. an idea. Uh, I, you have a, a, a thematic one on justice, let's say, that traces the idea of justice in the scripture and really does a great mm-hmm. job, from my point mm-hmm. of view, of helping us land the plane in mm-hmm. a way that can be understood and uh, is... You know, a word like justice today can be incendiary, mm-hmm. and depending on who's using it and how, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. you bring it all to life. Now, uh, if you if you had to look at your whole catalog, your archive, which is growing by the year, okay, what's your favorite, or what's the one you say? Now that one, that one, that was a killer. We got that. We got that down. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Um, for me, it's still one of our earlier theme videos uh, called "The Gospel of the Kingdom," and. Uh, it's essentially, it's a, it's a word study of the word good news, um, you know, which just translated gospel, um, which doesn't come from the New Testament, actually comes from the Hebrew Bible, specifically uh, a poem in the book of Isaiah, which is where the video starts. But um, what, what I love about that video is it's all about the, the, annou- the good news announcement of a new king reigning over the world, but then the way... Um, that Jesus reigns is this inversion of all of our concepts of power and influence. And so there's the sequence um, where uh, Jesus is taking into himself all of the abuses of power throughout Mm -hmm. history. And so you see, it starts with a Roman soldier about to punch Jesus, but then it goes through like half a dozen uh, moments of other historical eras of an oppressor about to punch somebody uh, under subordinate to them. And so you kind of get this whole sense that like all of human history is coming together in this moment. And I, that's still one of my favorite sequences of anything that we've ever done. And um, uh, yeah, that video still makes me teary when I see it. I love that one. Well, again, you're, you're working with some really inspired content <laughs> to start yeah, with a storyline like that. But yeah. to be able to translate it just as you did, even in your description of it, it, it has a certain clarity that the animation brings. John, mm-hmm. well, how about you? You're looking at these videos, you're thinking, man, this is the one I want to make sure my kids see. Mm. Oh. Well, well, maybe that's a different question. The one <laughs> well, you like yeah, and the one you want your kids a, to see. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I think I I was gonna I was gonna say the Tree of Life video. Um, mm, it's mm. Uh, really beautiful. Um, it's actually technically one shot. You kind of are dolling through mm. the world, pulling back actually mostly, and um, the art the art's really cool. Mm. Um, mm. Also, it's just a theme that feels very fresh and new to most people. Of mm-hmm. like the theme of trees in the Bible. Um, but it's also a very powerful theme. Hmm. So really proud of that one. There's, there is a short list. Um, if, if it's about my kids, I think the most important idea that 
we've tackled, in my opinion, mm. is the image of God. Mm. Um, what mm. does it mean to be God's image? Mm. And if there's just anything I would want my kids to onboard and make a part of their life, it would be that theme. But that, that video is a very simple video. Um, mm. And it's a doodle, it's a doodle video, doodle style is what we call it. It's playful. Um, it's very approachable. How long does it take, uh, you know, from a, a doodle video is a different style than the book of revelation video, let's say, um, how long does that take from like, okay, we're going to tackle the book of revelation. <laughs> here it is uploaded online what would you say is that a year project is it five years is it a month what oh, uh about six months i would say from when if we were to like start from when tim and i start the writing process to when we have a finished video i think if we had six months that would generally be enough time some could go faster some take longer is um, that how it starts tim and john yeah, it actually starts with us just discussing um, the topic. Tim brings pages of notes um, from from dozens of books, <laughs> uh, and um, then we talk through it. And that discussion is our podcast. So we've done like I don't how many episodes on our podcast now? A couple hundred um, or more? Yeah. Just hours of us just discussing. Tim's notes, uh, which then gets us in the Bible to talk about the Bible. And then from those discussions, we try to distill it down into a script. It's a lot of back and forth between Tim and I writing and rewriting. And then when the script gets to a point where it's like, this is 90% there, we bring in an illustrator who then storyboards with us. That informs the script. And then we kind of go back and forth until the the storyboard and the script just is really doing what we want it to do. Then from there, um, it's kind of downhill. Well, sorry, from there, we, we create the visual world, which is a lot of just exploration of what is this world going to look like? How the characters work? What's the setting like? What fits this theme the best? And then we start just drawing every frame and then animating it. Um, and that's usually the last you know, three months of the process is actually creating the assets and putting it all together. When you, when you get a call from Tim and say, hey, let's talk. I've got some ideas. Time for a podcast. Uh, <laughs> do you ever find yourself as he walks in with his stack of notes or whatever, do you ever say, Tim, just dial that back a little bit. Th throw half of those papers away or it's always <laughs> on point. I, I know I'm putting you in an awkward spot. What are you going to say? But I mean, do, do you find he's bringing already... Uh, a lot of research that you you can say, okay, we can work with this. And what you're doing is just kind of exploring it. Yeah. Or you're it's coming to the table with the your job. Notebook. Yeah. My favorite part of the job is going through Tim's notes. So okay. I've never said like, hey, let's dial this back. I think what Tim, Tim actually has a good intuition of leading me through the notes and knowing mm -hmm. when to jump mm -hmm. ahead mm -hmm. and when to like keep us going. Cause I'll, I'll like, take us on a tangent he wasn't expecting. Um, so Tim does a good job of, of leading that. Um, and, uh, and Tim, I've, have I ever told you like, let's speed this up? I don't, <laughs> maybe, maybe because we had a deadline. Yeah. Uh, you know, usually it's dead. If there is deadlines and we, yeah. we try to rarely have deadlines 
determining yeah. how thorough we cover it because, you know, I think it's our conviction we'll be able to explain something most simply when we've taken it all the way to the bottom and no ups, up and down and backwards and forwards, so to speak. And so, um, and if we can't um, create a five minute version of an explanation, then we know we're not there yet. We gotta, we gotta keep editing and getting, getting more to the core or the essence of, of what is, we want to say. Is that the average length of a Bible project video? Yeah, I'd say it's probably closer to six if you're going to average them all out. But yeah, yeah. the the bio, the book overview ones are mm -hmm. more like in the six to eight range, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and uh, pretty quick um, in terms of I, I don't talk fast uh, as a rule, and so I was like really trying to speed those up because there's something about um, when communicators, and this is true in any form of oral presentation, if you keep slightly faster. Just, just not too much, but slightly faster mm -hmm. than someone's normal level of comprehension. It creates a level of engagement mm -hmm. um, on the listener. And so when you have visuals and audio going just right about like that, uh, mm -hmm. it really does something mentally to the viewer and listener. And you're the narrator, Tim. Is that right? Uh, it depends. Um, some, uh, for the book overview, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was the narrator for those. For... Um, theme videos and a lot of other videos. Um, it's a dialogue between John and myself. And um, about a year and a half ago, we added another biblical scholar to our team, Carissa, Dr. Carissa Quinn. And so now she's uh, in the podcast mix with us. She's doing research okay. um, alongside me. And so sometimes she now is dialoguing with John in a video and, and so on. Excellent. And do you always start with the Bible? Does the Bible project and you're working on a project, uh, by that I mean a particular video, let's say, just always start with the Bible. Okay, this is a preacher guy talking. You know, you can, mm -hmm. you can, I can exegete a text, or I can have a skateboard and think, what can this teach me about life? And then I'll find a Bible verse to support my skateboard. Uh, do you ever work, ever work uh -huh. both ways, or is it always just something that's springing up out of the scripture itself? How would you describe that process? Yeah. Well, we are definitely shooting for the second option. Um, yeah. To, if you want to introduce somebody to the Bible on its own terms, it's not going to help to start with skateboarding. Something externally. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I well, mean, it seems obvious, but... Reference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a lot of preaching going on that way. <laughs> and nothing against using skateboard yes, explanations. Yes, I, yes, I did it yes. for years as a pastor. Um, yeah. But educationally, it's about... What the biblical authors have their own agenda mm -hmm. and their own goals and things that they want to communicate. Uh, and they do it through design and repetition over long stretches of this literature on throughout. And so um, you can use many different metaphors, um, but a really helpful one is like listening to a long form symphony that happens in many movements with lots of instruments. And so um, there'll be certain, or think of a movie score, like the, the musical score for a movie. When a certain character has a set of notes associated with them, whenever they show up on the screen, um, then all it takes like one hour into the movie is just a few little notes because you've heard it 10 times by now. And when you see that person. And so that stuff is happening in biblical literature all the time where you're in a book and something introduced earlier in Genesis 
gets brought out and the vocabulary is brought up from earlier. And so what we want to do is help people know how that works. Um, what's, what are the key repeated ideas that the biblical authors care about? And sometimes there are words that we, that are familiar from our religious traditions, salvation, righteousness, faith, and trust. But sometimes the core images or words are not ones that are emphasized in our traditions. Um, and whether that's like tree, tree of life mm-hmm. or covenants, well, covenants, mm-hmm. maybe that yes. depends on what your, your Where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, your background, um, exile, um, mm-hmm. knowledge of good and bad, um, uh, sibling rivalry, election or chosenness. So uh, the biblical authors have their own agenda. And so what we're trying to do is create the content that um, will set people up to actually track with the actual Bible as you read it, as opposed to kind of a grid that we are making the Bible fit into. So we don't do it perfectly. um, But for me, part of the joy of my education was learning from uh, the whole of the Christian and Jewish tradition, learning ancient culture, ancient languages to help check my own biases and prejudices at the door, hopefully at least more uh, than if I didn't use those tools. And so the goal is to just hear, hear the Bible on its own terms. And that's kind of informs all the content that we make. Let me establish some, a baseline for the audience here. I mean, everyone, honestly, everyone I know has heard of the Bible there are a lot of people who couldn't tell the front or the back of it, but they've heard the term. Um, I've been to Byblos in Lebanon. I mean, you know, the, the etymology of the word itself, you know, has some history. But in a popular cultural context, everyone has heard of the Bible. Now, some people imagine it as a kind of dead, you know, preposterous book of a lot of nonsense or ancient stuff that doesn't apply today. Or, you know, it's so primitive, all those... Uh, you know, slain of the thousands in the conquest of of the promised land. It's, I mean, there's all kinds of things too. This is poetry and 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 art, and this is sections of, are make sense, but some don't, and some have red letters, and some. Don't. I mean, there's a hundred ways that people imagine it. There's a certain orthodoxy in Christianity. You re- referred to that several times, Tim, about this kind of vast expanse of Christian history and interpretation. Mm-hmm. Am I? Am I? fair in in representing your own posture and position on this, that you would see the Bible itself as a kind of standalone book. That's why you have a Bible project. It's not the Shakespeare project. It's a mm-hmm. standalone book that is supernaturally um, conceived. And that while it's accessible to anyone, it has a certain kind of supernatural mystery about it that we are discovering. And that you Consider it authoritative in that way, and that it is the it is the steward, or the, it's it's the safe deposit box of this revelation of God in the person of Jesus. And and so your your approach is in that kind of like orthodox way, even though you're trying to take it on its own terms within its context and origins. Differentiated from someone who just thinks this is amazing cultural uh, vessel that we need to understand. Or in between, how would you describe yourselves? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, you, yeah, you loaded quite a few things in in there. I could go <laughs> I a lot of different directions right now. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, John and I are both in terms of our own social location is in 
you know, the Orthodox Christian tradition, um, uh, in both having grown up in Protestant, more theologically conservative settings. And so, you know, that's where we come from. Um, so that informs our, our background um, and, and our approach. We, we really are trying to create content and use language that an educational approach that tries to make very few assumptions on the viewer. Um, and so we try to filter out religious lingo and just use normal English. Um, and now in other languages, normal, just normal vocabulary that people use to uh, talk about these things. So that's one thing about, about the language. Uh, but you're right. Um, we are operating from a conviction um, that the Bible is the product of a divine and human partnership that the biblical authors consistently um, attribute to the work of the spirit of God. Um, so I, 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 I hesitate or I, I don't, I avoid using the word supernatural because I think it actually preloads the conversation. Mm -hmm. it, it may prejudice uh, someone yeah. who's approaching it. Yeah. 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 It's very much um, a modern Western inheritance that there's like the material world and that's mm -hmm. natural. Mm -hmm. And then there's some non-material world and that that um, is what is spiritual. Mm -hmm. And right from page one, the biblical story is actually challenging that it's operating in a wholly different way of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, for the biblical authors, the way that God is active and expressing his will and purpose in the world is in and through the physical. Uh, that's, that's the core to that image of God's spirit uh, being present in the dark chaos in the second sentence of, of the Bible. Um, and then every other time after God appoints humans as his images, the point is that humans who are physical are the physical representations of God's purpose and will in the world. And when you have humans who are in sync with God by God's energy and presence and spirit, um, you have the natural is supernatural. <laughs> the two are intertwined in a way that cannot be divorced. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Awesome. So um, the origins of the Bible are um, told within the Bible itself that it's um, literature that was produced by a subset of ancient Israelites in the tradition of the prophets stemming from Moses. Um, and uh, they claimed for themselves that what they were writing, hum humans were writing, uh, also communicated a divine word, the word that Israel's God wanted to say to his people. And so that was Jesus's assumption about these texts. Uh, that's what he, I mean, just if you read his teachings, that's what he believed about these texts. But he, And he also believed they told a unified story that led to himself and what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And so in a way we're trying, I, I want to read these texts the way Jesus read them because I'm a follower of Jesus. In fact, mm -hmm. that's the only reason I do read them is because <laughs> well, I'm a follower okay. of Jesus. But, but even that, Tim says, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes. Which, yeah. which, I, you know, again, I, I may be projecting on on you. I, I'm leading the witness. Sorry, I went to law school. But my 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 sense is that following Jesus implies that you believe that Jesus is alive. Mm -hmm. You're not just following an historic figure in his footprints. You actually think yeah. he's a living dynamic in the here and now, which, yeah. and I totally appreciate your your reluctance to use the word supernatural, but it defies the ordinary, reasonable experience of most human yeah. life. Yeah. And so yeah. in that, 
you see the scripture itself as having unusual and singular merit, hmm. uh, and that draws your attention. And here you are doing the Bible project as opposed to the Encyclopedia Britannica project. <laughs> yeah, that's what sing, singular merit. I'm going to take that singular, one. Singular and there was another word in there. Unusual, unusual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I, yeah. I mean, I I think it's the most beautiful collection of texts that one could ever give your life to try and understand. Uh, because I think they we think they point to a person who is singular and unique. Uh, the, the the risen Jesus. We say around yeah. my office, Jesus is the subject, and I think you would say yeah. Jesus is the subject of the scripture. Yeah, uh, in the Old and New Testaments. All right. Yeah. Now here you're producing this content at, you know, I keep using the word genius, but honestly, really guys, it's genius. And and as as that's being delivered, it's being delivered into a a cultural context where there is so much research and so much buzz about the kind of exit away from traditional thinking about spiritual things. People are still thinking about spiritual things, but they don't necessarily embrace the orthodoxy or the institutional views or a lot of things that we have just kind of taken for granted over some years of history. And and you're producing this content, which is being embraced by an audience and and a younger demographic of audience, I'm going to guess at some level. It, it's reaching into places that others may not have been able to reach. Do you sense that? Do you feel that? Are you doing that by design? Is it just happen chance? Yeah, I think that um, this is animated videos, short form animated videos are a great vehicle to, to, to deliver, communicate really important, but often hard to grasp ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, our conviction that people are smart. They're not, they're not pulling away from the Bible because of a lack of intelligence. Um, and people are actually really interested in the things that the Bible has to say. Um, and so it's not from a lack of caring about why do I exist in this world and what is love got to do with it? <laughs> and um, what is, and how do I thrive? And, um, is there a beautiful mind behind all of this? Um, you know, we all really care about this. Um, so I think what this medium does is it just gives access in a way that is very uh, hospitable and, um, and approachable. And so I think because of that, um, that a lot more people are, are encountering the content. Um, I think also, uh, that a lot of people's experience with the Bible was like mine, where it was kind of, it was flattened out as um, it, to maybe like a, a rule book or just a theological tech manual. And it just, it just lost its life. And I just thought, you know, that's great. Other people can do that work. I'm more, inter- I'm interested in, in something more than that. Um, and I'm experiencing that in community or I'm experiencing that in my prayer life or, you know, whatever it might be for different people. Mm -hmm. Um, but the truth is that this, when you approach it as literature, um, it, 
suddenly comes to life in new dimensions. And um, my actual concern, going back to this divide we were talking about, which is, is it human or divine? Is mm-hmm. it just literature or is it God's like word? Is it breathed mm-hmm. out by God? Um, I grew up in a tradition where you kind of said, um, yeah, Orthodox, the Orthodox position, it's human and divine, but it's kind of just, it's divine. And let's mm-hmm. polish off the human fingerprints and let's... Um, uh, and so when, when, when Tim and I were working on this and Tim would start showing all the literary artistry and how it works as literature, it felt really uncomfortable at first because to me that felt like, oh, are we treating this just like yeah. Shakespeare? Was it diminishing its stature? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what actually happened was that was the way that its divinity suddenly mm-hmm. just emerged from it for me, where I started to see the beauty of it um, in a way that started connecting deeply to my soul um, mm. in, a, in a beautiful way to where suddenly I start to kind of understand why a psalmist would be like, well, I love this stuff. You know, <laughs> like I would read those Psalms and I'd be like, really? You're just saying that. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of boring. Right. Um, but, uh, but no, there's like some real artistry and beauty. Mm. Um, and so I think people are also experiencing that. Mm-hmm. And it makes you hungry for more mm-hmm. and it makes you want to dive in deeper. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think it's, it's doing mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. And it, and it's doing, you're talking about how it communicates um, what it, it communicates is it, it's exploring. Yeah. Like you said, John, all the stuff that we all wake up thinking about anyway, Yeah, <laughs> which is like, yeah. where on yeah. earth are we? <laughs> and why is this place so freaking beautiful and so horrific and terrible at the same time. Yeah. And why am I full of so these beautiful ideals for how I want to be in the world, but yet fail so miserably at them? And why do I expect my group and city and tribe and country to represent these ideals when we keep failing at them? And why are relationships so hard? And is there any hope or what are the problems and what's the solution? Like, this is what we all think about anyway. And this is what it's about. Like, it's not about anything else, but the human story that leads to this crisis where uh, the hero enters the scene. And so if you can help people see that it's an ancient cultural vehicle of mm-hmm. this literature that comes from another time and place, but that's about the stuff that we are all mm-hmm. thinking about all the time anyway. Once people make that connection, it's addictive because it's so insightful. <laughs> like these, There's so much these, truth to be yeah, discovered these, right there. Yes, these yeah. stories and poems. It's so profound what they're trying to tell us about ourselves and and about um, who God is in relationship to all of that. And so I just can't stop. And I think once someone gets the bug and they just get the set of tools and you need to read it, it just goes next level real, real quick. At least that's what we're discovering with our audience. I made a decision to uh, follow Jesus, as we say, when I was 12. I was in the seventh grade. And uh, I don't remember all that was going on in my world or in the moment, I just remember that some guy was talking about hell and I didn't want to go there. And so I, I, you know, I did everything I knew how to do at the age of 12 to give my life over to the following of this Jesus, to be that guy that was made new and fresh. Now at the age of 12, I gave up everything I knew how to give. And I also was told by the guy who was praying with me at a youth convention who I didn't know, 
He said, okay, here's, here's your next steps. You go get baptized and you start reading your Bible every day. I thought, okay. And so I did. I, I got baptized and I started reading the Bible, but it was kind of a tough slog at 12 <laughs> or 27 or 32 or 92. <laughs> so what I did was I got a book called Edgar Meyer's Bible Storybook, which was a, a gift in my house to me, probably when I was born that I didn't visit very often in junior high school, but suddenly I, I used that. I started reading that. It's coming to my mind because the narrative of the scripture that was in the Eggermeyers, which actually chronologically placed the narrative in order, was profoundly impactful for me. And I graduated after that eventually to reading the Bible itself, uh, but sometimes with enthusiasm, sometimes not. Now, I'm bringing that into the conversation because what you do is like past that Bible storybook. It, it makes accessible and relevant or understandable important and deep truth. As you, as you have conceived it and you're still doing it and you're still energized by it and there's still so much more to unpack. You know, uh, one of the early church fathers, Jerome, talked about the scriptures that being that thing that you know, a babe could dive in the pool and not drown, but a person who was an experienced diver would never touch bottom. You know, it has that, that capacity to engage us no matter where we are in our understanding. You're mm -hmm. living and breathing that. I mean, you can just feel it today in the mm -hmm. conversation. You, you got more to do. There's more stuff. To, there's another video coming. And, mm -hmm. and for the audience, for someone out there, uh, do you have any sense? Are, are people using it as a substitute? for actually reading the Bible? Or is it a gateway to start reading? What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, that's been one of our convictions lately is that we we don't want it to be a substitute. And we actually, we want people to learn to read the Bible. And even after working on this project for, yeah, nearly a decade now, geez, um, it's all it's still hard for me to then open the Bible and not feel lost or overwhelmed um, still. And um, so we actually are uh, working towards solving that by, um, we, we realize that with all of our video content, everything we've made over the last seven, eight years could be organized into three different skills that we think you need to develop in order to read the Bible on its own terms. These are the skills that allow you to read it as ancient Jewish uh, literature. And, um, and these skills are uh, understanding the structure, how, how, how the literature is structured from the macro level of how these different books of the Bible are together in mega sections like the Torah and the prophets and the writings and the gospels and the new Testament letters and how those work There's beautiful design there. Um, but then how each scroll within those collections is designed um, for, uh, from its largest sections of that are collections of chapters, really um, down to the micro level of just how uh, a narrative or a poem is designed and the lines work together. Um, and the obsession that, Second Temple Jewish scribes had on st structure just blows my mind. Like it's unbelievable. And it's just not uh, a, a perspective that I bring to mm -hmm. most literature. And you kind of have to level up your expectations. 
with structure. Um, and so our read, our overview videos, they get at that. They kind of have break up the uh, book of the Bible into its kind of structure. And it helps you see why each, how each part works together as a whole. Um, but we also have now these visual commentary videos that show you how you can kind of see how lines of narrative or poetry work together. Um, and so we want to teach that structure skill. So you can take that to any part of the Bible. The second skill is uh, style. And this is whether you're reading narrative, poetry, or discourse. And there's a bunch of different types there. And we have a whole how to read the Bible series. Um, and so that's a skill you need to develop. And then the third skill is um, patterns. And this is where like themes and word studies and narrative patterning comes into play. And so when we're doing a theme video, it's often, we actually, our new chief product officer came to the organization and gave us this really compelling image where he said, when I watch a theme video, I kind of feel like I'm watching you guys do a magic trick. Like I, you pull all this stuff together and it's beautiful and it blows my mind, but I'm like, how did you do that? And how could I do that? Um, and we don't want it to be a magic trick. We want it to be something that you could go and be able to develop that skill yourself so that you can see these themes popping out in the stories and the poetry. All to say, now that we understand those three skills, we're trying to arm our audience with those skills mm -hmm. and give them an opportunity to level up those skills while reading the Bible. And our biggest attempt at that is in this new app we're releasing next year, where you're actually going to read through movements of the Bible, collections of chapters, while tracing a biblical theme and developing these skills of structure and patterns. Um, and we'll do it together and we'll grow in that. So, that, so we're actually in the Bible, learning how to read the Bible while reading the Bible. Um, and uh, that's really important for us that this isn't just an intellectual exercise, that this is making us people who love to geek out on, on this literature. You know, John, I don't, I don't want to just drive by that, that new app that we're bringing out as if, as if that's, everyone knows about that. What's happening is the Bible project is introducing an app yeah. that you can download on your phone. That's going to help walk you through this kind of, deeper comprehension of how to study the scripture. Have I got that? Yeah, that's one big component of it. We're calling it journeys and skills. So the journey is read through a large portion of, of a scroll that we're calling a biblical movement. Every scroll is broken down into generally three or four movements. Like the, the scroll of Genesis has, uh, we've talked about in two main parts, one through 11, which is about God in the world and 12 through 50 is like mm -hmm. Abraham's family. But, um, but really you can think of it in four parts where you've got, you know, from Adam to Noah, and then you got Abraham stories, then you got Jacob stories, and then you got Joseph and Judah. And mm -hmm. those movements have a coherent whole that work together in a very structured way. And mm -hmm. so we're going to read those separately while tracing a theme. And that's, called journeys, but then we'll have a whole tab in the app called skills where you're watching a video, but then whatever skill it's showing you, like say it's a theme video and you're learning about the Holy spirit as a, as a theme, um, you then are, uh, have access to more resources that help you kind of understand that theme more, whether it's our podcasts 
or quizzes or connecting you back to a journey where we're tracing a Holy Spirit theme through a movement of scripture and allowing you to like level up these skills um, within the app. So that's journeys and skills in the app, but then the app will also have a Bible reader and it'll also just give you access to all of our content. Um, and that releases, uh, it's, well, it's out, um, uh, it's out tomorrow, but this will be out probably after it's out. So you can get it on your, on your phone and we'll be going through the Bible next year. Mm -hmm. It's here and now. Let me just say, is this an Apple product or Android? Yeah, both. Are both. You, yeah. both. Are, are you like Mac people or Microsoft people? Don't answer. I don't want to know. I, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just have a running thing with that. But, I, but I'm going to believe you can be redeemed no matter what you chose. All right. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think you, play, I think you showed your cards, though. I think with, I showed my cards right there. <laughs> you know what? I, you can read me like a book. So do you have any concept of your audience and do you have any studies like these are the people who are drinking from this well or no, you're just putting it out there and it's not tracked. Yeah. We've uh, yeah. Got a really great wing of our team uh, that's done a lot of focused research on our audience over the past couple of years. And um, John, you're going to know more about this, but they discerned, wasn't it kind of six core types of profiles um, so I'll just speak to the range, you know, where mm -hmm. this is like, you know, the, the 20 year old college student who's faith friendly, you know, open, mm -hmm. maybe has a, a, a faith background and they're not anti, yes. um, but they're not, you know, they're not into it. And so there's those people that, you know, will see our stuff on TikTok or YouTube or something. Um, and then all the way up to, because that's one end of the spectrum. And the other end would be like a pastor uh, who's regularly teaching their congregation in sermons and classes. And they're looking for real specific um, resources on parts of the Bible to equip them for teaching. Mm -hmm. And so between those two, then they've isolated um, kind of four other subtypes. And so that's been very helpful for us to think that not everything we make is for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so um, like the animated videos are for the broadest level, like for the whole audience. Um, we also um, are releasing in 2022 um, our, uh, what we're calling classroom, which we've been kind of cooking up for a couple of years now, which will be long form, deep dive, graduate level classes, all available for free. Um, and, you know, it'll be, it's like 14 hours of content in the letter of, to the Ephesians or something like that. Yes, so yes. that would be very much for the other end of the spectrum. But then we have things in between like the podcast or um, our read scripture book overview series, the app. And so we're trying to just create something that's, there's something in our content library that's for every different type of level and um, leading people on a progression. We want to, our goal is to create 10 million Bible nerds uh, as a shorthand, <laughs> but by which we mean people who are passionate and about yes. scripture and they want to be lifelong meditators on scripture. So our, we don't know when that'll happen, when we'll hit 10 million, but that's our big audacious goal is to create 10 million Bible nerds. Well, it, I mean, you have harnessed technology, you have a certain currency on the pulse of our time, you're projecting content in, 
very immediate ways to people just exactly where they are. I mean, in a way, things that used to only happen in group dynamics or in a church building are suddenly now happening uh, up close and personal. And of course, that's not just new to you. That I, I'm sure people said that when they started the movable type printing press. <laughs> <laughs> was a change up. But do you ever think about those implications for the, um, what should I say, the ecclesiology of the church, the, the, the group dynamic of the community of believers? And how does what you do impact that? Do you see it as a competitor, as an enhancement? I mean, obviously, you're, you're not out to undermine anything. But what do you think about that? Yeah, we, we want to support the church. Um, we, we, see ourselves not as a pastoral voice, but as kind of an educational voice. Um, and um, so there's, there's, there's a number of things that we're doing to that end. But one thing I will say is um, we, we've been, t- we have seven pillars of, of what we think, what we think the Bible is and how you ought to read it. We've been talking about one a lot, which is that it's both human and divine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our first pillar. The central pillar is that it's community literature. It's meant to be read uh, in a community. And it's a bit of a modern phenomena that I grew up in, which is you kind of have your quiet time and you go and you read the Bible on your own. You have your own little journey with the mm-hmm. Bible and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but more uh, uh, inherent to how this literature works is that it was meant to be read and thought about and discussed together in community. Mm-hmm. So um, we we still need to sharpen kind of the tools by which we're giving the church to do that. But we think that is the role of, of the church. Mm-hmm. You need to be mm-hmm. doing that in community with mm-hmm. the believers that you live, live with. That's mm-hmm. one reason why we want 10 million Bible nerds. We want, <laughs> we're looking for like the, what's the like per capita Bible nerd? Like how many do you need? in the church so that every community has access to one, you know, (laughs) like not all of us are going to be the like Hebrew nerd who gets the thing and goes dives deep. But if you have like one guy or girl in your community that you can lean on, like, that's awesome. Um, And uh, so uh, we are a parachurch organization and we're educationally focused and one way that one really concrete way we're doing that though, is we're creating, and this is still like, and, and, uh, the technical term is MVP closed. It's a closed MVP means it's like not out yet. Um, which is, uh, it's a <laughs> <course>. curriculum builder. <laughs> it's a curriculum builder for the church or for any organization <laughs> to allow them to easily adapt our content and <laughs> make curriculum. And then, it won't be a Bible project thing. It'll be like, you can go in like a square space site. You could go and kind of create your own and it's branded your thing. And so we're trying to like create tools for the church to use, to be the ones that, because we'll make a video on the tree of life or on the gospel of the kingdom or on the image of God. But how is your community supposed to like mm-hmm. wrestle with that and onboard that idea? Mm-hmm. And what's the next steps you take as a community? We don't know. Like we're not in your youth group. We're not in your mm-hmm. support communities. And like, we're just a couple of kids from the Northwest, like, and we have our own stuff. So like, um, we want to empower other ministries to, to contextualize all of this into their original oh, context. Um, you know, if I still had my regular 
pastor gig in a local parish. I promise I'd be mm -hmm. on that uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. But all that to the good. Sometimes when you're out there as you are, uh, there's somebody's going to find fault. And especially when you're talking to such this vast, you know, unbridled audience, somebody's going to say, wait a minute, that, that's not right. They're not emphasizing this enough. I, I know that you've got some people online that, you know, say, what's the problem with the Bible project? The implication of the question is there's something there missing or it's twisted or it's broken. Do you pay attention to that or you just drive by it? You try and respond what do you, how would you describe your response to a public that raises its question marks? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I, I always want to listen if there's real substance there, you know, and so trying to discern uh, where there is substance that really needs to be paid attention to, you know, that's a process. In, but for all of us, you know, in listening to someone give us constructive feedback or critical feedback, uh, even if it comes across in a way that hurts, or is genuinely unkind. Yes. Uh, that doesn't mean that there's nothing to pay attention to here. And so, uh, yeah, I, I've tried to pay attention to those enduring themes over the years. I have my own theological mentors and people who, mm -hmm. you know, push back on me. And um, my theological mentor, who's the head of Bible and theology at Western Seminary here in Portland, Gary Brashears, he's on our board. He uh, has been reading all the content before mm -hmm. we put it out there for years now. And um, so, uh, yeah, he gets in my business all the time. It's awesome. And uh, that's how we all learn, you know? Yeah, but, and and what you're just saying though, Tim, is as you as you have created the Bible Project and you continue to generate new content, yeah. it's not just the product of your brain alone. You have people no, you trust no. and have confidence in. And of course, that's maybe that seems obvious to you, but for someone who's just approaching it, it's important to know. Yeah, that no, it's that's framed by a lot of scrub yeah. that gives you confidence that the final product has real yeah. legs. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. yeah. And so some of the critiques come in what you're saying in the, um, we may not use the language of one particular tradition mm -hmm. or the emphases that that tradition has. And that's usually because we're trying to stick to the main themes emphasized in the Bible itself. And so sometimes in our traditions, we come to emphasize parts of the Bible that are mm -hmm. disproportionate to how often they occur in the Bible itself. And so um, sometimes critiques come along those lines. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and there, there you go. Uh, the goal is any piece of content that we make, that if we're coming to a controversial part of the Bible, and there are lots of them, um, that people from different traditions would all look on and watch that part of the content and be like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that takes a little, little Kung Fu uh, yep, yep. moves to do that or it. to say, people think this, people think that, people think that, but whatever your view is, everyone agrees that, and then you keep yes. on moving. And we've used that formula quite a few times. But I, I actually firmly believe that the core storyline of the scriptures can be a unifying agent across all of the Christian traditions. And the Bible is not known for being unifying, but I think that it can be uh, if we learn how to read it on its own terms before we divide off into our camps. And um, and so that's the heartbeat of what, what we're trying to get across. We don't, I, we don't always succeed. I'm not claiming that, but well, we're, we're trying. Uh, Jesus had some trouble with people uh, criticizing <laughs> <That's>, uh, <that laughs> his presentation true. from... 
then and now. All right, so here we are. We've been talking about the Bible. Uh, the Bible is unified whole. Uh, it has a single thread or it leads to Jesus. No matter where you pick it up, it should be taking you there. What do you... What would you say is your main Jesus idea? If you could, if you could just say today, you know, this is the thing about Jesus that I'm, I, I, I can only tell you one thing. This is what I want you to know. What mm. would you say? Mm. Mm, do we each get one? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, John said earlier that the, the idea of the image of God is really core. Mm. Um, and I think for me, the underlying mega theme of the whole story is that as humans, we know and have a sense that we're made for so much more than we experience. And what if that so much more is actually attainable, not because of some cooked up scheme that I can come up with, but because of someone who was that kind of human for me and on my behalf. And that's um, a way of thinking about the biblical story that he, Jesus, opens up the way to true humanness in all of its aspects. And that's a part of the story and who Jesus is that is uh, utterly compelling uh, to me every day that I wake up. Life in its fullness, as he's quoted as saying. Yeah. yeah. How about John? What would you say about Jesus? I think I... Um... I, I have one and I'm going to say it. My fear is that I'll say it. And then my, um, the, the tradition I grew up in is going to be like, Oh, but they forgot the real one. <laughs> Jesus is our salvation. Okay. Like that's the one that matters. Um, and so I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Um, you recognize that, that part. We need to be story. rescued from yes. ourselves, our worst impulses, and this world yes. needs to be rescued. And um, and Jesus is rescuing us. And yeah. that's amazing. Um, so, uh, but I think, and I can't remember how you phrase the question, but, but here's something I just think is really fascinating. And I think, especially in my context, the people that I'm talking with might get their attention the most, which is Jesus's perspective, which I think he gets from the Hebrew Bible and, and from from God, which he is <laughs> son of God. He is the image of God. Um, is that, uh, what do you do with power? The, mm. the, the story mm. of the Bible is about God. And this is connected to the image of God thing. He pointing humans in this elevated place with all of this authority and power to rule. How are we to use this power? And when we look around and we see violence and corruption, it's generally a misuse of power. And the way Jesus, his attitude was so radical. It was, it was be sacrificial, like lay down your opportunity to take your power over someone, give that away and reconcile. And, um, and that's just, uh, it's scandalous. I mean, it's like, can you really live that way? Like, won't then just the bad guys win? And, um, and then Jesus, the bad guys kill Jesus. But then 
there's something more powerful than that. Mm-hmm. And so what is real power? Um, I think that is a really interesting thing that Jesus brings to the table. John and Tim, I can't tell you how, uh, shall we say, life-giving conversation with you can be. Thank you for sharing so much with us today, for giving us the time. Uh, Maybe more importantly, thanks for pouring your lives into something that has so much impact for the good. And so, uh, from the world out there that you may not always see, let me just be a voice saying, wow, thank you so much. I don't want to uh, overstate it, as I said before, but what you do is making a huge difference. And uh, I live in a world where it's my privilege to hear from all quarters of the continent. Uh, I've been in 70 countries so far. Uh, What the Bible Project does is speaking in powerful new fresh ways to an audience that hungers and thirsts after what you've just described. There's an interest in this because it's so real life. Thanks for doing it so well. Thanks for being with us today. And uh, keep up the good work. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Uh, This has been a surprise and a privilege to get to do this whole thing. Um, And we're just grateful every day to get to be a part of this work. So thanks for your encouragement. We really appreciate it. I'd say the Lord's hands on it. Be encouraged. Godspeed. For more information, visit allthattosay.org. Thank you for joining the conversation. Don't forget to like and subscribe.